All right, Justin, sing me a song about about what the fuck is wrong with me? All right, let's try that again. Sing me a song about an unbridled force of nature traveling halfway around the world to kill you and your family. <laughs> uh, oh, my God, these songs. Um, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better shut the door. I don't know. No, he doesn't travel That's anywhere but in dreams. That makes no sense, Justin. <sighs> Dang it. But he still travels. He's not really. He stays in like one town. I mean, and on top of that, the movies are based around a singular street in that town. That's not really traveling. Damn it. The house visits don't count. Like, no. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't like go over to my friend's house and say, oh, I'm going to go travel for a little bit. <laughs> a neighborhood traveler okay i give up i mean maybe if you were like nine and all you could do is bike around your neighborhood maybe but you're not nine justin so no all right heather oh. what about you all right can you repeat it again all right sing me a song about an unbridled force of nature traveling halfway around the world to kill you and your family there's a bad moon on the rise. Nope. That's all I got. No. Nope. It kind of fits. Nope. Not at all. Yes. No. The one song I'm, I was looking for. A moon travels. I'm just the moon doesn't travel like that. It's not traveling. <laughs> no. So it doesn't. The song I was looking for is that song that goes like one way or another. I'm going to find you. I'm going to get you, get you, get you. Come yeah, on, guys. That's a good one. Oh, that is a good one. Dang. Yeah. You know what I thought of that after asking the question? Hey, this is why you should play the game. I know. I'm the best at it. That's why I have the winning record and you guys don't. Is that the really real reason, though? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Because I, gonna, I am fair. Mm, yes. I'm going to have to that check the record books on that. I, I, gotta, I still got to check my <laughs> record, man. I still think I'm above 500, but we'll see. Maybe above 500 losses. <laughs> yeah i'd give you that justin you're about like seven and five hundred well 501 now <laughs> this put me over the top huh <laughs> Damn. you went man i need to get over the 500 losses and on that note let's cue the theme song <laughs> Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today, we are talking about what is considered one of the worst movies of all time, although not on any of our worst lists. But it does tie into something else. Originally, we had talked about doing this episode as a special tribute to me getting my tattoo, but since my tattoo artist had to cancel on me that day and we had to reschedule for uh, the second week of September, we're still going ahead and doing this episode to kind of just still tie it all together anyway. And what we will be talking about, if you could not tell by the title of this episode, is Jaws colon The Revenge. As always, we will talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between that. And just a little background with it, 
the reason why I said this is considered one of the worst movies of all time is because this is one of the films that is, you know, on the notorious list of movies that have a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So and it's also supposedly considered the movie that killed the Jaws franchise. We'll get more into that later. But since Justin failed so spectacularly, I don't know why I like I said that word like that. Apparently, I just don't like saying that word. Justin, give us a non-spoilery version of a of your review. What the? F- I don't know why the fuck I can't say anything normal right now. <laughs> I haven't even been drinking. I've just got iced tea in my cup. I just can't fucking say words tonight. Justin, give us your spoiler-free review of Jaws: The Revenge. Fuck. <laughs> wow, that was a. Uh quite a trial there man to say all of that uh maybe you're maybe you have some of that shark fear that helen was talking about in this movie i was just gonna say maybe Um, a shark has my tongue (laughs) nice nice nice. um yeah so spoiler free i guess i could just say I, i mean i don't know about you guys but i just thought this movie was incredibly bland it's just very like Matter of fact, nothing remotely interesting happens, I guess would be the best way to put it. Like, it's a weird kind of movie because it wasn't like there are just so many stupid things happening that you're just angry or mad or yelling or anything like that, like it was when I was watching Showgirls. But... This is just kind of one of those movies where it just lingers and it just happens like and I think the problem reviewers must have had with this is just that all of it's just completely void of any tension. And I think that's the biggest sin that this could make like the, the the original jaws is just so full of tension there are just so many tense moments and moments where the camera plays tricks with you with the visuals the 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 pacing of the film and everything like that like i just when i think about the original jaws there's so much of that and then you get to this and there's practically none of it. It's just pretty much a straightforward what you see, what you get, almost slasherish of a movie. Um, and I mean, we'll get in that to more detail, I'm sure, um, later. But that really is my impression of it. You know, th- this would this would be like getting into an Indiana Jones movie. And discovering that we're not going to go on an adventure. It's about him being in his classroom and how he deals with his students. And that's the movie. You know, this would be like, I mean, this would be like a man. What's another good example? Like this would be like a John Wick movie. And you go in and instead of fighting, he's fighting his local government and he's running for the mayor or something. And the whole movie is about an election and there's no fighting like you're taking the the primary thing about 
something popular like this and when you strip it of the very thing that made it popular in the first place you're just going to make people angry and I think that is the best summation of this movie it's Jaws alright there is a shark there are people they get eight but all the little things in between that made the original a classic is missing here and that's pretty much what this movie is in a nutshell is that it yes okay i just felt like there was more i felt like it was a semicolon at the end there will be more but i was i was holding it back i was holding back because because otherwise i feel like i'll spoil so well then heather your turn go yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it with the whole like it, it just it's one of those movies where you feel like it's a lot more about the or they, they just do a lot more build up about the characters and the surrounding people in it more so than, yeah, the the shark aspect of things <laughs> for the most part. Um, it is, you know, it's it's not something that is um i mean it's not like standout or anything like that but yeah it definitely just has um it's it's like this this huge build up of not much like you you expect like okay what's going to happen okay something's about to happen here and everything and it just doesn't really amount to anything that's kind of my feelings on it mostly it's not really i mean and i honestly think this might be the first time i've seen this one i don't remember having seen this one in the past (laughs) um i haven't seen all of the jaws movies but um i'm pretty sure i've seen one and two or i've seen at least two of them and now this one but anyways all of that to say like it's just it's one of those where it's it doesn't stand out it's nothing special it's it's just like you're you're waiting for a big thing to happen. And even when it does, you're just like, oh, okay, well, that was it, you know? So that's, that's mostly what I felt throughout this movie. Um, I mean, it was, I, I kind of, honestly, I kind of enjoyed the character development. I think that, or the character um, dynamics and kind of the story of the characters, mostly, I think that was pretty okay. Um, But yeah, it, it just really was more of like a, slow moving took a while to build up to those bigger or more um, extravagant moments or those gotcha moments with the shark you know so it it just was a little bit slow moving but I mean again not by any means honestly like I don't I, I definitely have seen a lot worse movies like a handful of movies that are worse than this so I mean is it a favorite definitely not but it is not by any means like the worst movie I've ever seen. So Jaws, the revenge and I are old friends. I know Heather was saying like, this was the first time she had seen this or whichever. And this is probably like the 50th time I've seen this. Um, I'm old friends with all the Jaws movies. Honestly, for whatever reason, when I was a kid, I would rent Jaws, the revenge all the time. You know how like on like Fridays, your parents would take you to like a video rental store and you could rent a movie and stuff like that. Oh yeah. And you get to go pick out your movie for the weekend or whatever. And there was a big chunk of time where I was picking out jaws, the revenge like every weekend, like, cause it was like a 99 cent rental. Cause who the fuck else is renting jaws, the revenge. So like 
I would, you know, rent that movie. And my parents never cared because it was like, oh, it's a dollar and you'll shut up for a weekend. I mean, that was there was something about this movie that I really loved. And I can't tell you what it is, because especially as is, I feel like this is and this is kind of something like you were saying, Justin, this was like a slasher movie take on Jaws and it misses the beats with a lot of that. And with that. And well, the reason behind it is utterly ridiculous to me. Like there is a reason why this, this shark travels halfway around the world from new England down to the Bahamas to attack the Brodies and specifically the Brodies. (laughs) There is a reason behind it. And you know what sucks? That reason was cut out of the movie. So then it makes no sense. I mean, even the tagline for this movie is it's personal or this time it's personal, alluding to the fact that this shark is on a mission to kill the Brodies. But the reason is taken out of the movie. And even then, with the reason behind it, I would tweak some things to actually make it fit with what happens in this movie. And we'll get into that because while it's not technically a spoiler for the movie, it is a spoiler for the book if you ever want to read it. I do own a copy of it. I literally bought it in the middle of doing an episode of this podcast with a, a friend guest of ours, Ryan Crow. Uh, and I own the book and I have read it and stuff like that. So there is a reason behind it. And I feel like especially now that I've read that, and I know the reason behind it subconsciously in my head. I add the scenes that are missing and it makes the movie make that much more sense. And so in my head, this movie especially is way better than what you actually get when you watch it all because of that. And I will break that down for you guys. So maybe then you can go watch it and go, Oh, I see it because I feel like what this movie had was the potential to be the greatest movie ever made. And they robbed us of it. They robbed us. And it, it, it and what fr- uh, came from that, I will get further into in a little bit. Um, but that's all I'm going to say. Uh, well, I guess let me paraphrase a couple of things real quick. So this movie, I don't think is one of the worst movies ever made. Even as it is, I don't think it's one of the worst movies ever made. The fact that 12% of critics thought Showgirls was at least okay. And 0% thought that this was at least okay is mind boggling. <laughs> Right. I think there is zero redemption with anything in Showgirls. But in this, I feel like there's at least enough teasing of elements to make it infinitely more worthwhile than 100 dance scenes from Elizabeth Berkeley in Showgirls. I mean, there are at least scenes in Jaws the Revenge that you could argue that have some semblance of sexuality to them. None of that exists in showgirls. And that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to go back into my rant about how unsexy showgirls is. That's all I'm going to say. But I feel like there's, there's enough here to at least warrant it not being the, the worst, one of the worst films ever made. That's just utterly preposterous to me. So on that note, Heather, what's your recommendation score? Um, I think if you 
like the Jaws movies and you're a fan of that or even, you know, shark movies in general. (laughs) Um, Sure. I mean, I don't think it's going to make you hate them or anything like that. Um, It's not anything I think you need to necessarily go out of your way to see unless you were just a huge fan of the first one in the series of movies. Um, Sure. Why not watch it if you want to? I mean, if if it's not your thing, it's not like, you know, you're missing a huge masterpiece or anything, in my opinion. But um, I'll give this. Hmm. I mean, I didn't. I mean, it's it's a little less than like a like a halfway mark for me. I'll give it like 45 Michael Caine's uh, teaching little girls how to fly planes in a very dangerous way. Out of 100. Justin, what about you? <laughs> That's funny because my score is in the 40s and I had a Michael Caine reference also. So that's kind of <laughs> funny. But you know what? I'm doing it anyway. Uh, <laughs> because, um, I mean, this movie, do I recommend it? I, th- th- that's a very difficult question for this because it's like, who do I recommend this to? Like, I don't think I dare recommend this for someone if they're like, hey, What's a good movie I could watch? I can't do I can't recommend it for that. So then it just comes to, well, I guess if you're that completionist kind of person, like maybe you've seen um, one and two or kind of like you, Heather, or maybe you've seen a few of them and you were just kind of wondering how the whole thing pans out cinematically. Maybe I could recommend it to that person again, this, and like you Heather, this is the, I think this is the first time I've seen this because I didn't remember this at all. Like as I was watching it, I think the last Jaws sequel I remember is the one where he was at SeaWorld. And I want to say that might be the third one. Um, uh, I think that's the last one that I sequel that I remember seeing. So this was my first, I completely missed this. Um, I thought that when Sterling said Jaws the Revenge, I thought this was the second one, honestly, that that goes to show you just how um, out of the loop with this I was. And then to realize this is the fourth one, I went, oh, so this is part four. So I didn't even realize that until this was an assignment for us to do. And after seeing it, I didn't feel I didn't walk out feeling like I missed anything. So, yeah, the only people I can recommend this to is probably just a a completionist looking to complete this series. Other than that, I just don't know who I would recommend this to. Uh, As far as a score, yeah, I I was in the 40s too, Heather, but I was a little bit lower. I was going to give it 40 um, Michael Caine's (laughs) dancing with you up and down while trying to give you therapy out of 100. (laughs) <laughs> We're making him sound real creepy right now. <laughs> I don't know how you guys had never seen this movie before. Mind boggling within itself. <laughs> I mean, and yes, Justin, Jaws 3D is the one where they go to SeaWorld. Okay. And the shark is just gigantically massive. Yep. <laughs> uh, like I said, I'm old friends with this movie. I'm old friends with all the Jaws movies. So this was just like, you know. This was just like a nice little hour and a half of reminiscing with a dear old friend. I absolutely recommend watching this movie, regardless of who you are. I also recommend definitely watching this movie 
after the tidbits of information I'm going to throw your way in the spoiler section. I think that those things make it delightful. Uh, and on top of this, there's an actor in this movie who has one of my favorite names in all of Hollywood. And I will reveal that by giving it my score now. Uh, so I give this movie with before the information I'm going to give you, I give it like a 55. But with the information I'm going to give you, if you kind of subconscious or like subliminally like fit that in the movie, it's almost like 110 out of 100. <laughs> and that would be uh, Mario Van Peebles because that's the greatest fucking name ever out of 100. <laughs> so spoilers, 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 spoilers. The secret of this movie is in the novelization and in the original script of this movie was at the beginning, uh, the son Michael, like insults a voodoo priest named Papa Jacques, calling him a fraud and saying that he has no powers. And filled with the rage, Papa Jacques vows to murder the Brody family. And in doing so, conjures a fucking voodoo shark to kill the Brodies. How the fuck do you get rid of the greatest concept in the history of humanity? <laughs> I don't understand it. That definitely would make it better. It would. It would infinitely make it better. Because it, it completely explains the motivations of the shark. It explains why it goes all the way up to fucking New England to kill one of the brothers and to try to kill them. And then goes all the way down to the Bahamas to try to kill them there. It explains... I'll even argue it explains why it roars when it gets electrocuted at the end of the movie. Because I don't see a normal shark doing that. If you told me a voodoo <laughs> shark can roar, roar, I'd fucking accept it in a heartbeat. Because what, what can't a voodoo shark do? Anything at once. <laughs> it is the greatest narrative device that has ever been conceived. And someone went, you know what? We need to get rid of that because it would just be too utterly amazing and humanity couldn't handle it. Like, I will never not be perplexed as to why they took out the concept of a voodoo shark. And I think if at the beginning of the movie, you just kind of imagine that happens and then watch this movie infinitely makes sense. Just so much of this movie makes sense. Like, why can the mother sense it when it's near? Because it's voodoo magic, motherfuckers. All these like plot elements that are in the movie, all these films they shot all make sense. If you just think of it as a voodoo shark, even right down to at the end of the movie when they're trying to kill it and all this other stuff. And she has the flashbacks to her son getting murdered uh, at the beginning of the movie to how her husband tried to kill it or tried to kill, you know, the in the original Jaws movie. All those make sense of it. If you accept the fact that it's a magically conjured shark. Like the, the, you know, it being in peril and all this other stuff with magic and all this other stuff would like, you know, cause the, the, the same, you know, to her to have these visions and all this other stuff. So much of it makes sense. If you just have that element in this fucking movie now to have it make a little bit more sense, I would actually change that just a hair because it makes no sense that Michael is the one that insults the voodoo priest. Yet the mom is the one that kind of has that magical connection with it. So I say you twist it and I say you have it be like Thanksgiving time or something like that. Cause this movie takes place on Christmas. Have it be Thanksgiving 
and have the mother be down in the Bahamas and have the mother say something to the voodoo priest and call him a fraud and all this other stuff. You know, like say the daughter's wanting to do something and she's like, oh no, honey, he's a fake. He's a phony. And then she travels back up, you know, back home after Thanksgiving. So the voodoo shark's like, fuck you. Or the voodoo priest is like, fuck you and your family. I'm going to conjure a shark, motherfuckers. A voodoo shark. And then it, it, it falls into place a little bit more. If you have that. Because it makes no sense for the son to be the one to insult him. Yet the shark is magically connected to the mother. It does fall apart a little bit there. So I would twist it a little bit. But I think, and I, like I said, go back and watch this movie now with that knowledge that this is a magically enhanced voodoo shark. And it's an infinitely better movie. Now, I wish it was in there because, like I said, I want to see some like of that voodoo shit in there with this shark. But, like I said, if you just do that, man, oh, man, does it all fall into place like a fucking like 10,000 piece puzzle. And every piece just magically fits together and creates the most beautiful tapestry a human has ever laid their eyes on once it's completed. So so much of it would be so much better with that. I mean, I also look at this as a very groundbreaking movie because name another horror movie, especially from the time where the black man isn't one of the characters that dies, especially at the beginning. Hmm. Spoiler alert, Mario Van Peebles lives. (laughs) They could not kill M.V. Peebles. Yeah, I actually had in my notes here that I was surprised that he survived like that. Honestly, was probably the biggest surprise of the movie because I just knew he was going to die. I just knew it. I just knew it. I was just counting down the minutes until he died. And then he made it all the way to the end. And then the shark got him and I went, see, I knew it. I knew it. And then he survived. And I went, what? This movie actually surprised me and did something unpredictable. And I did put in my notes, Jake made it. <laughs> LOL. So, yeah, that was <laughs> actually a surprise to me. <laughs> I mean, so many people like to reinvent history and act like LL Cool J was the first black man to survive sharks, completely negating the historical impact Mario VP (laughs) had on the film industry with this movie. I will say this. None of those motherfuckers should be happy at the end of this movie. They are all in the middle of the ocean with no plane, no boat, and one of the fuckers is bleeding out. Yet they're all happy as fucking pie. That I don't understand. I can't explain that away. It makes no sense. They are just all in the water. And they're just like, hey, we're alive now. Let's just hang out in the middle of the ocean because people survive that all the time. To this movie's credit, they all do. And they even acknowledge that Jake is still alive. But I mean, and I'll say this. I actually kind of love the fact that they kind of cause the shark to get in so much pain with electrical shocks that it throws itself in the air into the little fucking spear mast thingy of the boat that rips it in half. That's utterly delightful. I I think that's right up there with the rifle causing the shark to explode at the end of the original Jaws. Just cinematic history after cinematic history. And on top of that, I do actually appreciate the little scene that Mike has with his daughter at the kitchen table 
where she's mimicking yes. his movements. That's I did like such that. a sweet little callback to the first movie. I was going to mention that. Yeah. I'm just yeah, that telling was you, cute. If you think about this movie through the lens of it's a voodoo shark movie, it elevates it to a whole other level. And I, I implore everyone out there, especially if you've seen it already to go back and watch it and just think about it like that. And I promise you it is better when you do so. I can, I can see that. I really can. All right. Uh, what do you well, I go? have a question about that. Like oh, yeah, go in ahead, the go ahead. novel. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I would, no, I was actually throwing it to you guys. So yeah, go ahead. Ask question. Oh, I was just going to say, well, in the novel, do they wind up getting this voodoo guy? I mean, like, how does that story end? So spoiler alert, if you're going to read the novel, but I'm just curious as to, so do they wind up getting this voodoo guy or finding out that it was the voodoo guy and getting him somehow? Honestly, I have no idea. I don't remember how the fuck that book ends. I really don't. I'm not much of a reader. I was just really excited and read that, you know, wanted to read the beginning where there's a voodoo shark. Um, I will look it up as we go, though. Okay, because and then that was the only thing I was going to say is that because in order for this movie to work, that would need to be the end game, you know, because if you just kill the voodoo shark, well, then what's to stop the voodoo man from making another one or, you know, so you would have to dispatch the voodoo man. The voodoo man would need to be the guy instead of the shark itself. I mean, I think that that's very uh, like. uh, I, I think that's a very easy way to fix it because like with that, you could just have it like when the, the, the voodoo shark is killed, you could just argue that voodoo, uh, like voodoo magic then kills voodoo priest type of thing. Okay. So we would know the voodoo shark, the voodoo man is dead, but not the protagonist people. They would just, well, also the protagonist people just kill him and not really know But the, the, the protagonist also wouldn't necessarily know that the the shark is controlled by voodoo unless the voodoo priest literally goes up to him and goes, I caused the shark with my voodoo. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I guess <laughs> I just think the, you know, if you're going to complete that story, you would have to like connect those pieces somehow, you know, I, I just think you would, if you were going to tell that story, which I guess is probably why they removed it well other than like you said maybe they just thought they thought okay voodoo that's just too outlandish so what what's more realistic is to just have a shark have a vendetta (laughs) (laughs) never mind i mean dude this movie came out in 1987 (laughs) you cannot say anything that comes out in 1987 like the idea of a voodoo shark would just be too outlandish every single person related to this film including that little girl was on coke mainlining cocaine the entire film you know it it's 1987 they were all doing coke a voodoo shark is probably the easiest explanation of anything they could do yeah especially if your plan b is well how about the shark has a vendetta yeah, and, and right. travels to the Bahamas and and hunts them. So, was that really the, a better idea than the voodoo? Well, <laughs> you know, I was I was going to actually bring this up later. I read an article on Screen Rant, and they were actually talking about how the novelization and everything 
was a voodoo shark and all this other stuff. And they were like, yeah, it kind of just takes the silly premise of the movie that the movie already had and just makes it that much more ridiculous. And I'm like, you motherfuckers are insane. I just don't see how a voodoo shark doesn't fix every plot ever. <laughs> if they were to remake showgirls scene by scene, everything the, is the exact same, including current Elizabeth Berkeley doing the same exact dance moves. Everything's the exact same, but they just somehow threw a voodoo shark in that movie. You cannot tell me it would not be better. <laughs> Probably so. If they were, if, if they do the Joker two and it's the exact same movie, but he's hallucinating a voodoo shark, the entire movie better movie. <laughs> if you were to tell me that in Ari Aster's midsummer, the one of the little hallucination things in the background is actually a voodoo <laughs> shark. And I was able to go through and find it. I would apologize to Ari Aster in person for dogging his movie. Cause it's infinitely better. If that's the case. <laughs> There's just nothing in this world and nobody can convince me otherwise that just not everything is would not be made better with a voodoo shark. I mean, Justin, just say that word with me. Voodoo shark. <laughs> voodoo shark. You can't tell me that doesn't amp you up a little bit, man. A little bit, man. I feel a little bit better than I did the second before I said it. Exactly. That can so, be I mean, like a new wrestling name if you ever need a new one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or name your finisher that way. No one would ever kick out of the voodoo shark. It'd be just downright impossible. Downright impossible. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Now, when do you guys go right. talk about this movie? Go ahead, Justin. I knew you were going to pass it off on me. Um, well, <laughs> you kind of already to... put some, some two, two cents in. So I was like, you might as well just go ahead and take it. Yeah, I might as well just take it. Huh? Take the wheel here. Um, man. Uh... I guess, um, well, yeah, well, now that you put, um, shed some light on what the original story was or what the book is and everything like that, then yes, I do think after hearing that, that definitely would have been a better movie than this. Uh, though I do, con do feel like you would have had to have had a different movie, you know, it couldn't have ended the same way. There would have had to have been a confrontation with this voodoo person but that would have made this at least a lot more interesting because the movie that we got is just so devoid i mean pretty much the movie follows this pattern the shark shows up somebody gets eaten and there's all these weird sometimes odd rough cuts or edits of the shark somewhere or chomping or something like that and every now and then you just get these sometimes weird jump cuts i don't know sometimes it was just weird to me and sometimes confusing then the shark would eat someone then we would have more scenes with the Brodies, with the family. They're doing stuff. And it's just, uh, uh, and a lot of it sometimes is just drama that you don't really care about. Like one time there, there were two characters were arguing over a garbage, <laughs> over a garbage can or something like that. Trash being taken out. Um, th oh, and that's another movie trope. An argument that leads to sex. That's a trope. Um, yeah, but that scene is infinitely uh, sexier than all of Showgirls. 
That is true. <laughs> yeah, this is. Oh yeah, Showgirls is a, a way worse movie than this. No, I'm so, just yeah, saying the score. I'm just saying that that's literally the scene I was talking about that has more sexuality okay. than all of Showgirls. Yes, Wait, I will agree which with that. Scene? The scene where uh, Mike and his wife are arguing and then they end up fucking. Uh, okay. Yeah. That was, yeah, definitely sexier than Showgirls. But, Although I do, um, I do want to add into that, though, because that was actually one of the bigger problems I did have with the movie was that, like, ridiculous dialogue in that scene, though. <laughs> like, when he's like, I've always wanted to make love to an angry welder. I'm like, what? I don't know what you're talking and about. like, I've dreamed of I it since I was a little boy. I was instantly aroused by that. I was instantly <laughs> aroused by that. Oh I don't know God. what you're talking about. That was yeah, I've, I've dreamed of nothing else since I was a small boy. Like, yeah, what? I get it. I totally get it. It makes 100 percent sense. Instantly oh, okay. aroused. Oh, boy. That yeah. scene right there is the cure a- for showgirls. <laughs> I mean, it was still better dialogue than showgirls for sure. But I was just like, that just kind of would be a mood killer when you're about to make love to your wife. Like, that's just weird. Not if she's a welder. What are you talking about? <laughs> that's just. I don't know. That is instant WAP right there is what that is. <laughs> instant WAP. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dang, we anyway. went there, huh? We went to WAP. Oh, uh, I did. Because I love that song. <laughs> yeah, that song's pretty tight. Um,. But I think uh, what but but actually talking about this, I think what we're hitting on is kind of a microcosm of what is kind of wrong with this movie. Like that scene kind of encapsulates it. You had this argument and it seemed like there was this drama and it seemed like there was going to be this tension. And then seconds later, there's some dialogue and it's instantly eliminated and the characters are okay. And now we're having sex. And if you think about it, a lot of scenes in this play like that. There was an argument with um w- with our with our same son and Jake. You know, there was that argument with them where they're kind of arguing on the boat and everything. And then he's like, man, we're doing this overtime because of you. And there's this angry moment that looks like there could be some tension. And then all of a sudden. Jake kind of relents and goes, well, man, I'm sorry about your brother, man. And then he picks up, uh, he picks him up into the fireman's carry and then everybody's spinning around and laughing. It was like, even when this film had a chance to have some sort of tension, it just elected to eliminate it quickly and just move on to the next scene. And so that's so that's essentially what you get in this movie. It's just shark shows up, eats someone. Then we have a bunch of scenes devoid of any tension or any kind of meaningful drama and then it just repeats. And and then the shark comes again and eats someone and then it just repeats. And if you think about it, that is what this movie is. It's just shark eats someone um kind of drama that's not very meaningful part character parts that aren't very meaningful and then here comes the shark again he eats someone and then we just repeat that until finally we kill the shark and then the movie is over and and that's kind of how i felt about this i I thought that ellen's character in it i 
I liked, I did like some of the storytelling with that. I did like how she kind of had this fear and she thought that this shark was targeting them and she kind of had this this notion that that was happening. I, the, the shark sensing was um, uh, definitely unbelievable. And and that's an element, like you said, Sterling, where the voodoo, the voodoo explanation, the mystical, magical explanation would have made that better. But when you're sitting here watching it and she has shark senses, like I was like, what? Can she sense the shark? It was just so weird. You know, it's weird if you're just watching it as an audience member but despite that kind of nonsensical stuff the stuff with her and Michael Caine I I didn't uh, I, that didn't bother me much you know Michael Caine was throwing on some of the Michael Caine charm and you know let me tell you a story and you know how he is and those scenes didn't really bother me you know I thought that that was alright and that relationship budding and developing was actually alright like nothing was offensive in this movie but man, there was just nothing that really grabbed me. There was nothing that gripped me. There was nothing that was like, oh man, hold on for this ride. This is gonna, um, this is something you need to invest in. It, th- that's a great way to put it. It was just so hard to invest in anything because seconds later, it was over, whatever it was. If there was any tension, it was over in seconds. If the shark came, they didn't tease you with the shark, you know? You know, you would see a view of underwater. Then you might see a view where the water's halfway and then it boom, boom, does the music. And before that music could even really get going, before the, the Jaws theme could even get going, he's already eating someone. You know, it just didn't try to really give you that. And I guess that's why... I wound up feeling like it was more slasher-esque than kind of the original movie was. Because this was kind of like the unstoppable force shows up, kills someone, onto the next kill, onto the next kill, onto the next kill, until it's time for to to kill the unstoppable force. And it really does feel like that. But it misses kind of some of those things that a slasher needs, you know what I'm saying? If that makes sense. No, I get that. And I do want to address a couple of things that I did look up. All right. I was wrong. Like I said, I'm not much of a reader. So blame me on this. It wasn't Mike Brody that pissed off the voodoo priest. It was Martin Brody. So it's the dad that is dead in this movie. Like in the past had pissed off this uh, voodoo priest. And like that kind of explains some of the stuff is it's alluding to the fact that like the shark is coming for the family because of, you know, that and all this other stuff. So that actually does fix that. But apparently with that also, and see, and this is what I don't understand about this, what I'm about to say is apparently there is a a TV and movie trope that is tied into this movie specifically with what we're talking about. And the trope is called the voodoo shark trope. So that's when the writers catch a particularly bad plot hole, but they have to leave it in because it's a critical part of the story. So the writers make an attempt to hand wave this plot hole away, except the hand wave itself is a plot hole. So when something like that happens, so typically that leads to a bigger plot hole. And so what that's called is a voodoo shark. And so that came from the novelization of this book because 
of the shark being a voodoo shark and it attacking the thing. Hmm. But the problem was, is the fact that the writer doesn't bother to answer the question as to why the voodoo curse was made in the first place or any of the other countless questions that come to mind with it. And I do disagree with that because the one thing I do remember in the book is, is it's because he was called a fraud. Like he was called a fake by the Brodies. Like by the, I guess it was Martin Brody. I was thinking Mike, but like I said, I haven't read this and I've watched this movie since then. So uh, it was because he was called a fake. Like it does explain why, but I guess that they're like, is still saying that it does just kind of add to more plot holes with it and stuff like that. I still think some of that isn't necessarily applicable to this, but that is kind of the whole uh, mechanism with all this. So, I mean, with that, I just wanted to mainly correct myself and say it was Martin Brody, the dad that is the one that pissed off the, the voodoo priest. Um, so there, some of the, the fix I gave earlier isn't necessarily needed because it would explain you could then kind of logically move it to the wife having the shark sense because it was her husband, blah, blah, blah. You can just say that Sark's shark sensory powers are sexually transmitted. I'll accept that. Um, I'm just, I just thought it was kind of interesting that that is actually considered something. It's, it's got a term, kind of like jumping the shark and all this other stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. So I just wanted to throw that in there real quick. Heather, your turn. Go. I mean, there's not a whole lot more that I would say different. I mean, really, I mean, I do think it was funny how, or not funny, but just not very well done how how many like flashbacks and moments like that that um the the mom had like it was just constant like flashbacks and things like that but i guess it's just because i mean martin's character didn't even die of a shark attack if i'm remembering right didn't they say he had a heart attack in the movie so i just was wondering like why she's getting all of these like like all these flashbacks are just it seems more like she's having them because she's remembering that you know that's how her husband died even though it's not so it's like it's trying to associate two (laughs) things at the same time you know what i mean and like it just was kind of throwing me off because i'm like i get it like it's a traumatic thing you know what happened in the past but also like I don't know. I, I just feel like they were trying to associate the two things when they weren't actually associated things, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, it just, yeah, it felt a little bit like, why is she having so many flashbacks right now about this when that's not, like, how he died? But I get some of them, you know, and it's just like, you know, the the brother at the beginning dying and, you know, and obviously that's going to cause some traumatic memories to come up but i don't know it just it just was played out as if like the thing that she kept going back to was her husband that she misses who died and then oh these tragic shark attacks i keep dreaming about and having nightmares about you know it just was kind of like not adding up completely for me and it should just been kind of done as two separate type of things i guess um I mean, but other than that, I mean, like, and, and like Sterling said, that scene when the, when Michael is at the table with his daughter, I did really like that. That was really cute. I I thought that was a really good, a good callback in a way to kind of, you know, you know, just play or I guess do like an homage to, you know, the first one and the, the past ones and all of that. So, um, so yeah, I thought that was really good. 
But honestly, the biggest offense for this one for me is really just that it was kind of more boring than anything else. It wasn't completely boring. It wasn't ad astra boring, (laughs) but it was, it was not like, you know, it's just not like this huge action thriller. Like if you're looking for something super on the edge of your seat, this isn't that. And it just felt more like it was about the relationships and the family and their dynamics than it was about the shark almost. And so that's, it was just kind of slower for me, but honestly, that's the biggest offense. Like it's really not like that terrible of a movie. (laughs) It's just, it's just kind of a movie. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's really my only issue with it is it's just like, it could have gone faster. It could have had a little bit more action. It was just kind of slow for me. And it really does actually, in a sense, kind of make it worse that it was supposed to be a voodoo shark was the whole reason for it. That really honestly would have made it make a lot more sense. It would have been a lot more interesting and it really would have made it a better film. And it's just, it's almost like the hereditary effect, if you will, Sterling, because it's like, oh, you explained this to me and this, you know, even after explaining it, this isn't helping. But this is like the reverse of that, I guess, then like, it's like, because you didn't do this, I almost want to make my score lower because you should have done this. You know what I mean? But it's, yeah, it just definitely would have it would have helped the movie a lot, at least a good 20% more. Okay. I'm going to have to correct myself again, guys. I'm so sorry. I got fucked up because I read something that didn't match up with my memories and it fucked me up and it confused me. Uh-oh. I've relooked into this. Uh Oh, it was Mike Brody. I was right. It was Mike Brody. Cause it makes no sense for Martin Brody to ever come across a voodoo priest. So, uh, Papa Jacques was insulted by Mike Brody calling him a fake. And in doing so, you know, Papa Jacques summoned the voodoo shark. They do get in a fight at one point in the book. And in doing so, that's where they learn that the voodoo priest is in charge of the shark because the voodoo priest sicks the shark on them, like calls the shark to attack him and his daughter. And then towards the end of it, the voodoo priest fully possesses the shark for that final confrontation. And then the book also has it. And this is probably why I I suggested this is because the way I suggested it is how the, the priest does die. When they impale the shark with the boat, it kills the voodoo priest also because he has fully transferred himself into the shark. I'm not crazy. I see. So that does okay. kind of explain it. So they do know that is the case. And one would then pause it when they get back to shore and they go to track down Papa Jacques. They find him dead because of the voodoo magic. But yes, you are right, Justin. They do know there is that resolution, at least, or the acknowledgement that they know Papa Jacques is is in charge of it. Okay, cool. Because, yeah, I mean, there's no way the story works without that. Otherwise, you just got a big asshole or you got to have Jaws the Revenge the Revenge and kill the voodoo priest. So, but see, now, I mean, with that explanation and everything about that, that makes me understand less the the trope call or calling that trope a voodoo shark, because there is no plot hole in that. Not not to the level in which they're describing the motivations of Papa Jacques are clearly explained. So you're not covering a plot hole with that. 
You know what I mean? Unless they're arguing that the shark's motivations were unexplained. So in doing so, they retroactively added Papa Jacques. But I don't think that's necessarily hand-waving over it and all this other stuff. I think that that's just a very cool plot. I'm going to have to look into this more. And there might be an addendum episode to this, to where it's me just coming at you with some research into this, because I'm very confused as to why that the voodoo shark trope would be called that based on, on, on what the story actually is in the novelization. And I'll actually reread the book so I'm not like, so I'll actually be fresh on it. Because I read that shit, what, damn near two years ago? And like I said, I'm not a reader. I'd much rather watch the movie version. Except this movie version doesn't have a voodoo shark. It's a very hard time for me. But I'll go back, I'll reread that, I'll look into the trope more, and I'll see if that actually lines up. Because based on everything I've read during this episode, calling the trope that does not make sense to me. So now I'm confused. That's why it'd even be called that. Yeah. Hmm. And in all honesty, I don't care much at all about that. All I really care about is voodoo shark. I don't really care about anything else. I just care about the voodoo shark. I can't say that phrase, those two words enough in my life. (laughs) I mean, Heather, you say it now. Voodoo shark. See? It's nice. Everybody's better now. Life makes sense again. Yeah. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go tonight, I think. Even though it's already kind of super late. Tonight. I'm actually going to go watch the movie Venom. And instead of thinking (laughs) of it as an alien symbiote, I'm going to think of it as a voodoo shark. So Eddie Brock (laughs) gets a voodoo shark on him. See, I already think it's a better movie. (laughs) I'm going to, or I might go watch Avengers Endgame and think about when Thanos gets all his infinity voodoo sharks in the gauntlet. That's a better movie too. I mean, name. All right. We're going to play a game real quick. Heather, name a bad movie. Cats. You can't tell me if it wasn't a bunch of dancing voodoo sharks. That movie would not be the greatest <laughs> thing ever made. That would be kind and of And I amazing. love cats. I love not, not the movie or play, but the actual animal cats. I'm just saying, if anything's going to be dancing around the streets of Paris or France or wherever the fuck they're at, voodoo sharks. That's a classic right there. Justin, <laughs> what about you? Name a bad movie. Battlefield Earth. Come on. You can't tell me that if it wasn't what 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 are they called like cyclones or something like that in that movie? If instead it wasn't a fucking like a bunch of alien voodoo sharks that came to Earth. Oh, classic. I'd probably be a Scientologist <laughs> right now if that was the actual book. <laughs> or instead of them like learning how to like fly F-16s or whatever. They just learned how to summon voodoo sharks to fight this. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. The possibilities. <laughs> That's a pretty fun game. I was trying to think of something else that you just really hate. I could make it instantly better with voodoo sharks. That's all I'm saying. So pretty much we have 39 more worst movies. And every one of those episodes, you're probably going to have to get, listen to me for at least five minutes. Talk about how the movie would have been made better with voodoo sharks. <laughs> That could make it. That could make it fun, though. I'm I'm down with that. I'll just I'll I'll pick one scene. And I'll be like, look, if you put the voodoo shark in it here, it would have been better. And I'll I'll challenge everybody listening to prove me wrong because it's impossible. Um, one quick thing I do want to get into. I mean, typically we'll do like the box office and all this other stuff. It's just let's just say it, it all was shitty for this. I mean, think about it. the Rotten Tomato score with the zero. 
Do you really think any of the other scores are going to be that much higher? No, they're not. They're all bad scores. Um, but there is a Michael Caine quote with this movie. I want to Michael Caine for also the weird thing about this is also, and I don't know if you guys noticed this too. This movie does ignore the other two sequels. This movie does ignore the existence of Jaws two and, uh, Jaws 3d. It really kind of has to, uh, bypass, uh, Jaws three because it also has the sons doing something there they work at sea or one works at sea world and the other comes to visit uh so this one does completely bypass that and so this is technically directly uh referenced the it only references the first movie and it's very obvious by this because you only see the husband die and all this other stuff and so essentially michael kane agreed to do this movie because and this is in 1987 he got them to pay him 1.5 million for just being on set for a week so all the michael kane stuff what? was filmed in a week and so apparently uh, at the time him and his family were moving from los angeles back to uh, oxfordshire england and where he's having a house built and that the the costs ended up being more than he was expecting and he hadn't acted in a little while. And so he went to do this just to pay for his house, like to help pay for his house. And he, and so the actual quote is, I have never seen this film, but by all accounts, it was terrible. However, I've seen the house that it built and it is terrific. Oh my. <laughs> That's wrong. There you go. That is now the best thing about this movie. <laughs> All right, Justin, it's not better than the idea of a voodoo shark. You're out your damn mind. Second best, maybe. No, Michael Caine is, that's it. Michael Caine that's, is not better than a Michael voodoo Kane's shark in house, I really wish I could change my score to 40 Michael Caine houses that look terrific <laughs> because of this movie. Right. That, that is an excellent line. Oh, my God. Why couldn't that have just been in the movie? He should have just broke character and said that in the middle of, I don't know, he could have been... <laughs> Uh, when he magically escaped from that plane, when there, when he wasn't anywhere and then suddenly was on the boat, (laughs) he could have said it then he could have said it underwater and it would have been fully audible and then survived still, you know, the shark, he could have been inside the shark and said it. And that would have just made this movie a hundred times better. That that was a great line. I do also want to once again, reiterate the fact that we are vastly, underappreciating the the contributions to cinema that M Van P brought by starring in this movie <laughs> because when Mario V Peoples is in a movie it's always a delightful thing even in like what was it Highlander 4 or whatever or is it 3 or 4 whatever the f- that's even weirder than all these movies is the fact that there's multiple fucking Highlander movies don't get me wrong i i I do think that the first Highlander is an amazing movie and all right. The second one's utter garbage. I do like some of the other ones. I do like some of the ideas and some of that stuff. The second one goes off the rails completely. But when Mario Van P it's just always fun to say his name in all the different ways you can say his name. And I will always love that about him. <laughs> MV peoples. Go ahead and give us one Heather. Um, just MVP. That's always a good one. 
And he is. He is the MVP of this movie because some bastard somewhere decided a voodoo shark was just too glorious. Too glorious. (laughs) But this movie will always have a soft spot in my heart. And for that, September 9th, I will finally start my voodoo shark tattoo. And it will be glorious, too. That's all I'm saying. You know what else was glorious? MVP Bull's glasses that he was wearing that flip up. Those were those were pretty cool. Those were peak <laughs> 1987. Right. <laughs> that in the fact that obviously this entire cast was on cocaine. You cannot tell me <laughs> that this movie does not feel like it's a cocaine induced haze. <laughs> they have all just been awake for days. Just mainlining coke. <laughs> Especially that little girl. When you can tell they like obviously ADR they're her lines. And it's obviously not her saying it on set. It makes you feel like you're on cocaine. Right. Also, I do want to say, though, and I think one reason why I love this movie or the one reason why this movie's always stuck with me is I, for whatever reason, super love that shark kill when they're on the banana boat and that shark pops out of the water and just eats the lady behind her. Oh, behind the yeah. daughter. I love mm-hmm. it. I don't know why I love that. I love that kill. I just think it's a really cool kill for no specific reason. There's really nothing spectacular or different about that kill than any other shark kill in any other shark movie. But for whatever reason, I just always loved that visual of the shark popping out of the water and just everybody on that boat in slow motion, getting that scary. Oh my God, there's a shark face. And also just the idea that that had to be the last scene they filmed of that movie, because how the fuck did that not traumatize that little girl in any way, shape or form? Because she is actually in the scene. Because you do see a scene from behind where you do see the little girl and the animatronic shark, obviously in the same scene. And I'm like, oh, that had to be traumatizing as fuck. That had to be the last thing they shoot. It's either that or it was 1987 and fuck child's well-being. Those are the only two options. (laughs) Any other final thoughts, guys, on Jaws the Revenge? I'm good. All right, guys. Thank you guys for listening to the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on Cinema Slayers podcast. Oh, I can't talk tonight when I'm doing the shit I always say. Let's try that again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook at Cinema Slayers podcast. We are Cinema underscore Slayers on Twitter and Instagram. Like I said, September 9th, I'll be getting my tattoo. So I'll be doing like some Facebook live and some pictures and videos and all that other shit of me getting this tattoo. It will be really big. Like I said, we had talked originally about it being on my back. It won't be because we're going really big with it. So it's going to be taking up most of my right thigh, or at least the top part of my right thigh. And I'm super excited about that. And if you want to see me in a lot of pain, because I've hurt your feelings about my particular thoughts on a movie you like, then you'll get to see it. Except one glorious thing is I'll have to be wearing a mask. It's Illinois and there's COVID. So that's amazing. So you don't get to see all the awful I'm in pain faces I will be making. So other than that, guys, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight as a fucking voodoo shark is a best picture winner. Deepest blues, my head is like a shark's fan. Deepest blues, my head is like a shark's fan. Deepest blues, my head is like a voodoo shark's fin. 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 Fin.
You know what, Justin? I'll give you half a win because you did that. Nice. Nice. Especially <laughs> because you threw a Voodoo Shark reference in there. And fuck, that music video is insane. Yes, it is. 